This is the Historical Paranormal Podcast, and this is episode one. Yay! I am so glad that you've decided to listen. And one of the reasons I began this podcast, because I've had a couple of questions about the name, is that I love ghost stories, but I also love history. And when you combine the two, it's just so fascinating to me. So I started this to be able to discover areas around where I'm from, which is Texas, but also just world ghost stories. I absolutely love podcasts like Unexplained and Lore, and I wish I had the gravitas that those two guys have because they're so professional, but I am not. I'm going to be cracking jokes and saying all kinds of crazy things, so be prepared for that. Just FYI, if you don't like that sort of thing and you like that, Unexplained and Lore are wonderful podcasts to listen to, but I'm going to be well, to me, I'm going to be a little funny to me. I don't know if y'all will find it funny. So let's get on into it. So I don't actually have a lot of experience with ghosts. My one ghost story, well, when I tell it to other people, sounds really scary, wasn't scary to me at the time. So when I was in college, I lived with my aunt and uncle in a converted convent. It was still in working use by the Catholic Church. It still is, actually. They still live there. Uh, but they also had a business that would run out of it. So there were two wings. There was a women's and a men's wing. And when my aunt and uncle would go out of the country, they, as they often would, I want to say about three or four times a year, um, no one would be allowed to stay there. Now, the business still ran during the day with office workers, but as far as people staying overnight, it really didn't have a lot of people because if I was there, they didn't want anyone there. So it was really nice for that reason. Um, during one of those such times, I believe they were in Rome. I was sleeping until 11 as I did in college, especially on a Saturday. I didn't have to be at work until I think it was 5.30 at that point in time. So why not? I was going to sleep in. So around 9 a.m., imagine how annoyed I was when I heard my doorknob jiggling. And so, you know, I was half asleep, so I thought it was one of the groups. You know, sometimes there would be women's groups when they were out of town that would meet there. So I thought it was one of them. And I told them, bathroom's down the hall. This is a personal room. Please go down the hall. And I went back to sleep. I'm not sure how much time passed between the next time and that one. I want to say maybe it was about 15 minutes. But then this door started jiggling even harder. So I thought, okay, maybe somebody didn't get the memo and maybe that other person already went to the bathroom and came back. So I told them again, the bathroom is down the hall. This is a personal room. Please move on. And then I went back to sleep a little bit. I was a little bit awake at this point because it's been happening twice now. And that kind of thing where someone you don't know is outside of your bedroom door is a little jarring. So again, I don't know how much time passed between this time. I want to say it was like maybe five minutes at this point. But then I heard another jiggling, and again, really, really hard. And I thought, okay, at this point, you've gotten it. You get the idea. This is not a bathroom. Please move on. Go away. Um, I've never been good about being woken up, by the way. <laughs> so I hope my aunt and uncle don't hear this and be like, oh my gosh, what are they saying? Or what is she saying to people? Or what did she say to people who were staying and who mistook her room? That did not happen often. Um, but... Yeah, I was just like, go away. And it did. They went away. And right as I said it, I was like, there's no one staying here. No one is in this house. What the hell? So right as that fear was just washing over me, 
I realized, okay, so if there's somebody in this house and they're trying to get in, I need to be able to defend myself. Luckily for me and unluckily for my father, I had stolen his hunting knife when I left because I liked it and I thought it was really cool. I've always liked knives. So I grabbed it. I was like, all right, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down fighting. Let's do it. So not calling the police, not thinking of anything like that. Just let's go out and bring a knife to what's probably a gunfight, considering where it was in San Antonio at that point. So I walked around with my little knife. It's not really little, it's massive. But nevertheless, I walked around with it. And all the doors were locked. All the windows were locked. There was nobody who could have gotten in at any point in time. So I was a little spooked, but in general, you know, I was in college. I didn't really care. I thought, that's weird. Maybe I imagined it. Well, about two days after my aunt and uncle had come back, my uncle came out of his room and he stopped me in the hallway and he said, hey, were you watching TV last night in the main living room? And I said, no, I really, I told him I wasn't because I didn't like disturbing them because their room was close to there. The truth is their living room, the main one especially, is just covered in windows. And even when they're closed, they're not really closed. So being in there felt constantly, especially at night, because you couldn't really see out. It felt like I was being watched. And I had that distinct feeling really whenever I was in there, even if it was a daytime, to be honest, I really felt like I was being watched at all times. So I didn't care for it. Long story short, I was not in that room. I had my laptop. I had a TV in the back wing. There was really no reason for me to be there. So I told him as much, and I said, you know, I definitely wasn't there. And he asked me again, are you sure you were not in the living room? And at this point, I was like, dude, no, I was not in the living room. What's going on? And he told me, okay, well, no big deal. But the TV was on at full blast at 3 a.m. And we had to come and turn it down. And it was on the white noise channel, which I still had at that point. I don't know if it was a channel or if it was just that a station had gone offline um, I don't know that they did that. This was back in 2000 and maybe four, 2006. I'm not sure, but yeah, that one scared me a little bit and it kind of concerned him. He was like, I'm just, I'm going to bless the house. No big deal. If you tell somebody no big deal, like five times in a row, chances are it's a little bit of a deal. So as far as I know, they never told me, but as far as I know, they blessed the house and they, since they knew a lot of priests, maybe a priest blessed the house. I'm not sure. Nevertheless, I never heard hide nor hair of another ghost again. So that is my only ghost story. And saying it out loud does seem a little scary. But, you know, at the time, it didn't really feel too scary. Other than the white noise thing, that was, that was a bit much. So the story that we're going to be covering today is the Emily Morgan. It's not necessarily a story, but more of a hotel. And we're going to be going over the history of the hotel some of the murders that took place, which are fairly recent, so they are, they're sad. Most murders are sad, obviously, but these are particularly sad, um, given that they only happened 11 years ago. So we'll go over that, and then we're going to go over the ghosts, which are really fun. So the Emily Morgan, just so if you have, haven't heard of it, it has been rated as the third most haunted hotel in San Antonio, none of which I knew when I stayed there, but we'll get to that. Don't ever Google a hotel of murders and hauntings and things like that while you're literally sitting in it in the bed in the hotel because it'll mess you up. But getting into the history of the hotel, the Emily Morgan Hotel was opened on April 6th, 1924, but it was not the Emily Morgan Hotel as we know it today. It was actually 
um, the Medical Arts Building. So it was built in Gothic Revival architecture by a famed architect here in San Antonio, Ralph Cameron. And it was situated right next door to the Alamo, which, of course, I know you haven't forgotten it, but just FYI, never forget the Alamo. Don't forget it. Nevertheless, it's right there. It's right next to it. You could literally look out your window and see it. There have been some stories of people seeing soldiers uh, from the 1800s, but who knows? I really looked. I didn't see anything. I was hoping I would, but anyway, moving right along. So there are gargoyles on this building. It's from the 20s, and when I say Gothic Revival, they are really serious about it. It is ornate. It is a beautiful building. It's the, it was at that time the Medical Arts Building, which is why the gargoyles that are around it are all depicted with various medical ailments representing what the hospital, hospital treated. It was decorated with cast iron, really beautiful carvings, and a gilded car- copper roof. So it was state-of-the-art at the time. I love the gargoyles. If y'all get a chance to see on the website or on the Instagram, um, and that is the Historical Paranormal Instagram, at Historical Paranormal, uh, these gargoyles are kind of funny. Maybe back then they were serious. I don't know if they were or if they weren't. I have no idea, but like the toothache gargoyle is hilarious. So it's a 13-story building. You would have found doctor's offices on the first through fourth floors. Those are just for regular visits. A psychiatric ward, surgical floors, a crematorium, and a morgue in the basement. The surgical floors were purposefully positioned on the 13th and 14th floor because the windows could easily be opened and aired out because surgery smells really gross. And they didn't want to make the streets around the Alamo specifically smell because even then, San Antonio was a tourist city. And there was still a lot going on around there, uh, downtown specifically. Also, downtown wasn't necessarily touristic at that point. I don't know if that's a word. I hope it is. Um, Downtown was also a place where people lived. My grandmother lived on Commerce Street, like a few blocks away from there. So it was definitely more residential than it is now, even though there are a lot of condos that are going up over there now that are very expensive. It's getting to the point where the rent's too damn high. I would love to live downtown, but no, it's just too much. Very pretty places, though. All right, so the hospital functioned for about 52 years until 1976 when it was abandoned as a hospital and occasionally used as an office space. In 1977, Alamo Plaza, which contained not only the Alamo, but also the Emily Morgan and the Menger Hotel, another super haunted hotel, and the one I got married at, thank you very much, not for that reason, (laughs) was listed on the National Register of Historic Places, preserving it for future use of some kind and allowing for renovations. After an extensive renovation, in 1984, the Emily Morgan, as we know it today, opened as a luxury hotel. In 2012, it joined the Doubletree by Hilton Group of Hotels and got another multi-million dollar upgrade. So, the name. If you might be wondering, where is this name coming from? Who is Emily Morgan? Well, don't worry, because I have that story for you. So, Emily West was an indentured servant of mixed race from Connecticut, traveling with Colonel James Morgan to Texas during the Texas Revolution. After a few months here, she was captured by General Santa Ana's troops um, during the revolution when it was really hot and heavy and made to travel with them as they attacked the Alamo and other Texan holdouts. The story goes that she had some advanced knowledge of Sam Houston's planned attack on San Jacinto. Not a surprise given who her, they keep saying master, but I don't know if that's how it goes if she was an indentured servant. It could, that could have been the terminology. I don't quite remember. 
So she did take his last name, which was customary at the time, but she was a freed woman. So she was not a slave at all, even though this was slave times. Texas was not at this point part of the United States. So they wouldn't have held on to that at that point so heavily. So she had some advanced knowledge of Sam Houston's planned attack on San Jacinto and went to General Santa Ana's tent to distract him with any means necessary. Now, the story varies from actual sex to erotic dancing, maybe a game of chess. I don't know. But nevertheless, the ruse paid off. Sam Houston's army debilitated the Mexican army before they had a chance to be guided by Santana, and the Texans were, Texans were able to lift themselves from Mexican rule. If you ever hear about the Six Flags Over Texas, the theme park, literally we've had Six Flags Over Texas. <laughs> we've been owned by like everybody and their mother. Um, now, you know, United States, all good. <laughs> but yeah, we've had a lot of fun history. That's why I think Texas is a place where we're going to stay at this, in this podcast for a little while, because... There's such a storied past and so many stories that have not even yet been told um, too heavily, especially with podcasts. So back to Miss Emily Morgan. So she eventually made her way out of Texas with the help of a major Isaac Moreland. She had lost her, uh, the papers that declared her a freed woman in a fire. And so he helped her get out of Texas, even though they were not part of the United States. I guess some of them were still holding some of the slavery stuff to count. I'm not sure. They don't really in any on any website go into that. But she made her way back to Connecticut. So not much is known of her life thereafter, but some say she was the yellow she was the reason that the Yellow Rose of Texas was written. Historians, however, have absolutely proven that this is not true. And it might be the daughter of a Mr. Dezavala, who was a fighter at the Alamo, or the granddaughter of his that was named for that, but we're not sure. So nevertheless, the reason of uh, the reasoning of why. Her name still graces the streets, some of the streets, and our lovely haunted hotel. Now, let's get to some murders. So on April 11th, 2008, in room 810, Elvira Hernandez Moreno and Juan Ignacio Gutierrez were arguing around 2 a.m. at the Emily Morgan Hotel. Police were outside the door telling them to open it. Juan yelled out, we don't need the police right now. And then, first of all, okay, that's... <laughs> They're already outside your door. It's not that you need them, you know, not you in particular, but somebody in that room did. But then they heard Elvira scream, he's stabbing me. The police broke the door open with the battering ram as Juan continued to stab her. They shot him, but it was too late to save Elvira. She was pronounced dead at the scene and Juan Ignacio Gutierrez was pronounced dead later that night at Brook Army Medical Center. Motive for the violent attack has never been found, by the way. While Gutierrez did have a history of violence and attempted murder, Elvira was a mother of three, recently married, and from all accounts, a happy and lovely woman. So this story was extremely sad to me, because as a mom, I can't imagine, well, also as a daughter, I can't imagine growing up without my mother, so I'm so sorry for their, her children. This must be awful. There must have been awful at that point. A couple or a few months later, July 24th, 2008, 23-year-olds Justin Cardenas and Justin Halsell were old friends, having met in junior high school. They were staying on the 14th floor of the Emily Morgan, preparing for a get-together with friends later that night. Shortly after checking in, Justin came out of the room with blood all over his hands and shirt. He said there'd been a terrible accident. Apparently, the two were in the room earlier with a 45 caliber handgun, 
and while they'd taken the clip out, they hadn't checked to see if a bullet was still in the chamber. Justin Halsell put the gun to his head, joking with Cardenas to pull the trigger. He did, and Justin Halsell was pronounced dead from a single gunshot wound to the head. So, I am a gun owner myself, and that is one of the first things that, because my husband is the one who taught me how to, well, like, gun safety and things like that, taught me how to shoot, things like that, and that was one of the biggest worries. I was a very, I was very afraid of guns until I had one, but when I opened it, I, I had to make sure, I took the clip out, and he's like, make sure there's not a bullet in the chamber, because people have died, and absolutely, this is true, this is a mistake that a lot of people do make, um, just always practice the best possible gun safety if you are going to use guns because they do kill. All right. Now, there are more murders. I could not find specific stories to back them up. So we're going to move on to the ghosts. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot on the ghosts. So given that this is served as the medical arts building, there isn't one ghost that the hotel is famous for. There are so very many instances, however, of hauntings and touchings. It's weird. (laughs) Some are a little bit more chilling than just cold spots. A lot of them are a little more chilling than just cold spots. And to be honest, Texas is hot as hell, especially in the summer. And if I pass through a a cold spot, a ghostly cold spot, I'm going to be like, thanks, ghost. I was a little tepid, you know? I could use a little cool down. So if you want to stay right here, that'd be great. Um, many accounts have the elevator to the fourth floor. There is no 13th floor, by the way, nor a room 1408 that Stephen King fans will love that, but there's no room 1408. I think part of it is that with so much going on, do you really want to tempt fate with all those things? Probably not. So I think the Emily Morgan was like, let's cut our losses. So moving on the elevator to the fourth floor opens up occasionally to a full blown working hospital wing complete with medical staff, like it's 1954 or something. That has actually been a few accounts, even on review sites, people have said that. Others have reported the scent of burning flesh in the basement and a strange smell from the fourth floor, 14th floor, I'm sorry. This is closed off to guests, but the elevators kind of move around on their own, and even if you push a certain button, you may not go to that place, so... They have been known to take unsuspecting guests wherever they want, whether the guests want to go or not. Now, I did find one on SanAntonioMag.com by a Mitch Lang, and it scared me just a little bit. So, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. We stayed at the Emily Morgan Hotel around January or February. We stayed on the ninth floor in room 908. We hadn't heard about any of the hauntings in this hotel until a week before. Me and my wife love scary things and thought that we would love this hotel. The first night, we woke up to the sound of our bath jets going on in the bathroom. This is actually common, by the way. Um, I told my husband to get up and turn them off, and he did. Then about an hour after that, I heard a noise as if my husband's clothes were being thrown to the floor. I turned on the light, and sure enough, there were my husband's clothes spread spread out across the room. Then the next night, we were heading to sleep, and we heard the phone ring, the hotel phone. And before we could pick it up, it stopped, and then we heard a knock at the door. My husband looked through the peephole and saw a lady in a yellow and white dress standing there. He opened the door and asked if she needed anything, and she did not say a word, but what she did do was turn and go straight into the room to the right of us. My husband didn't think of anything of it until it happened three more times that night. 
We told the front desk and they laughed it off and said that they didn't know. Maybe that was her room, which is a weird thing. I mean, I would call that room and say, you know, hey, there's a there's a lady. Like, why are you bothering people next to you? Stop doing that. If it was indeed a guest, obviously it wasn't. Then the next night, which was our last, was the worst. It was 1230 at night when our TV came on and it was really loud. It was playing a documentary of the Alamo and would not turn off. Then the jets and the bathtub turned on and the phone rang. My husband went to the door as I turned off the jets and yet again, the lady was at the door. This time, my husband didn't open the door. The lady then turned around and walked down the hall. The TV turned off and we didn't sleep for the rest of the night. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either, Mitch Lang, which I feel as though him and his wife just both collectively wrote that review at different points in time because one time it references what his wife and then the other time the rest of it is her husband so anyway that's regardless of that that is a scary story and I do not want to see people outside my door no thank you all right other stories have a lady in white in a white hospital gown roaming around the ninth floor looking scared and disappearing into walls another lady in white a ghostly bride has been known to let out an unearthly scream in the middle of the night and she's been seen in mirrors, just randomly. When you look in a mirror, when you're doing your makeup or checking your hair, boom, ghost bride right behind you. By the way, fuck that. I can't even tell you enough. Fuck that. That is one of my biggest fears. Either you're looking out the window and somebody's looking right back at you. Ooh, I don't like that. But also just looking up into the mirror. And movies do this a lot because I think a lot of people are afraid of this. But looking up into the mirror and seeing someone behind you, uh-uh. No, thank you. Moving on. Um, a family that stayed there said that they experienced what sounded like a huge party next door. And when they called the front desk to complain and say, like, what the hell? Tell them to be quiet. I mean, it is a hotel. People are trying to sleep, too. Um, they said, you're the only one occupied on that corner of the floor. So there is no one next to you. So they were forced just to sit there and listen to what they were saying. And at one point, they were hearing battle hymns. So very scary. And a lot of people, there's three different reviews, I believe, that I saw just on one website, have woken up to their husbands, specifically their husbands' clothes being thrown on the floor and violently thrown, by the way, around the room. Another reported incident is having television and radio turn on at full blast around 2.30 to 3 a.m. and seeing shapes move through their rooms. Some shapes have been known to sing lullabies while they move through the room, which, yeah, no. Just no. All of this is a big no for me. Okay. On the 12th floor, nurses will appear out of thin air and the bathroom doors will open and slam shut. So there's also orbs. The stench of burning flesh has been known. I think I said that earlier, but that, that's a big one for me. I, mm, that would be interesting to experience. People have said that the 14th, 14th floor in particular smells really bad, and I believe that that was a surgical ward as well. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't say if you're a ghost, would you really want to stay with the, the place where you died or would you want to stay with your loved ones or, you know, trying to, if you're believing in that whole thing, wouldn't you want to finish the business that you're still stuck on earth to do? But who knows? Who knows what the science is behind it or whether it's just a real thing or not. But my husband and I stayed there on the fourth floor and we experienced absolutely nothing outside of an extremely calming and outstanding phenomenal bath they have these massive bathtubs in certain suites <coughs> with air bubbles 
that come out of the bottom of the tub. And I mean, they're massive. I felt like I was in one of like the prefect's bathroom in Harry Potter or something. I tossed in two of the lush bath bombs because it was just that big. And I felt like I was in a fairy oasis. It is unparalleled in San Antonio to find something like that. I was swimming around like a little shrimp, swimming around like a little scrimp. It was just super fun. I absolutely loved it. And it was such a pleasant experience that ghosts or no ghosts, I'd go back in a New York minute. I would be there. So, uh, given that glorious review of the Emily Morgan, I hope you guys do go in and check it out. It's a jewel of San Antonio's downtown area, especially the area right by the Alamo. If you're coming to San Antonio, obviously you're going to go see the Alamo because I mean, hello, it's awesome. It's a little smaller than you might think, but it is awesome. But I mean, there's also a lot of historical and reenactments. If that's what you're listening to this podcast for, for sure, go check it out just for that alone. But, I mean, there's so much beautiful history, and that Gothic architecture is just so gorgeous. And there's a few buildings built by um, that same architect, Mr. Cameron, um, around the, that area. The Tower Life Building is another one, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's like you stepped into the 1930s in some of those buildings. And I would say that that is probably more interesting to me than seeing the Alamo. The Alamo's fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But these just these buildings have like a feel to them. It's almost like they're alive. And if you believe the stories in the Emily Morgan, maybe not alive, but definitely present, right? So that is the first episode of the Historical Paranormal Podcast. I am Krista, and I invite you to visit our website. It is Haunted Paranormal. Haunted Paranormal. Oh my gosh. It is the Historical Paranormal Podcast dot home dot blog. And you can follow us on Instagram at Historical Paranormal Podcast. Have a very lovely day, and we'll be back soon to tell you more stories. If you have any stories that you'd like to hear, or you'd like to know the history behind it, and like me to do my little research thing, please let me know. DM me on Instagram. Send me an email. I'd love to hear about it. Email, by the way, is historicalparanormalpodcast at gmail.com.